like it's just very common growing up in the church to hear about someone who is very well known and pub a public figure in the in the church to have a secret life and why does that happen and i think it's because of this phenomenon you're talking about of spirituality being separate from emotional maturity Welcome to the Wellspring Soul Care Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Gotthart, and I'm part of the Wellspring team. Our desire and mission at Wellspring is to help people rediscover God's personal, generous love and the joy-filled, flourishing life offered in the kingdom of God. In this podcast, we engage in thoughtful conversations about our inner life and the care of souls, ours and others. We're releasing this episode in the first week of a new year. It's a time when we often look back and look forward to what lies ahead, we often get introspective in this time of year. We're motivated to pay attention to inner dynamics, the state of our emotions and our soul. At Wellspring, we say this often and we believe it deeply that in order to know God well and deeply, we also need to know ourselves well. So we thought today's conversation would be very timely. Today we're talking with Kim Miller. She co-authored a book called Boundaries for Your Soul. In it, she and co-author Allison Cook describe and walk through a process and a way of looking at different parts of our inner world, of who we are. It's a methodology that's been described as and labeled internal family systems, but we'll get into that more in the episode. I want to share that I personally have engaged in this process in a counseling setting over a couple of years, and I have benefited from it greatly. And so in this episode, you're going to hear Kim walk me through this process as a way to demonstrate and show what this can look like. Now, full disclosure here, what I share and what Kim walks, walks me through is real, it's authentic, and I'm processing in real time. I also want to share, and you'll hear this as well, that this isn't some quick fix or do this and you're all better kind of process. It's a snapshot of a part of a journey that I've been walking for many years and it's one that I trust I'll be walking on for the rest of my life. But we hope by sharing this with you, it will be an encouragement to you to engage ever more fully, ever more deeply with your inner life and your life with God. Here's our talk with Kim Miller. Well, Kim Miller, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I'm so looking forward to this conversation and uh, just thank you for making time. I understand you have a, uh, a little one at home now that uh, requires a bit of your time and attention, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Hi, Richard. It's yeah. just so good to be here with you and with all your listeners. Yes, um, my, my husband, Ken, and I adopted a little girl about 16 months ago um, oh. right from the hospital. So she's, she's just a joy and, and is taking a nap right now. So I get to do this with you. Oh, good, good. Well, hopefully she'll <laughs> stay sleepy for the next little bit. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Kim, uh, you know, we, you're the co-author of Boundaries for Your Soul. And we certainly want to talk about the, not just the book, but actually just the process it it lays out and even the concepts that are that are so helpful in it but uh before we jump into the book uh could you tell us just a little bit of your own journey how did you end up doing uh this kind of work how did you end up writing a book like this well i i'll say that i was um, born into a family that um had had uh, some relational challenges as well as many blessings, but uh, my parents were divorced when I was a baby. And so I grew up without my father. Um, and um, my mom did remarry when I was eight. Uh, and we moved from Dallas to New York City when I was five years old. So i kind of went through that cultural change and just some, uh, some issues growing up that caused me to have some parts of my soul that I felt were needing some care. And I, I sought counseling um, when I was in high school and college. I had become a Christian in, in junior high uh, through a wonderful church, First Baptist Church in Dallas and then Redeemer Church oh. in New York City. Okay. Um, and um, which is a Presbyterian church. Mm -hmm. And I also went to Catholic school, Sacred Heart in New York City. So I had Baptist, Presbyterian and Catholic influence. Wow. 
And um, yeah, I, I was walking with the Lord very, always very excited about Jesus and just who he is and got to know him at a young age, thankfully. But there were still just, I guess, emotional burdens that I was carrying, I would say. Um, feelings like um, a nagging kind of loneliness and insecurities and um, unresolved kind of anger at my father and resentment and just these kind of annoying things that I couldn't get rid of, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I uh, sought out counseling and just could not find real help. And then finally, when I was in my early 30s, I was living in Boston, in Cambridge, and uh, I really am grateful that the Lord led me to a wonderful counselor who uh, talked to me that first session I remember, and I just said, I just have these nagging, annoying, emotional burdens that I can't get rid of. And she said really confidently, I can help you. Mm. And it was the first time somebody expressed such hope and, and assurance. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's the first time I've heard that. And she did. And so... I, as a, as a minister then at that point, uh, a chaplain at Harvard, I started using the techniques she was using with me, with my clients, I mean, with the students I was working with and okay. realized how helpful it was. And so I went ahead and got my master's in counseling and got certified in this method called internal family systems therapy and started mm -hmm. integrating it with uh, our Christian faith and, um, and then ended up writing a book about it. Yeah, yeah. And now, and uh, you know, full disclosure here. I um, and I'm I'm very happy to share this is uh, my own journey. I've been in a, a a lot of counseling myself over the years through uh, just a lot seeking to address a number of internal issues, uh, family of origin, all kinds of stuff. Um, and a few years ago, I was I didn't know have a name for it, didn't know what it was, but was introduced to this, uh, this model. I, I, th I think that's the best term, right? A model of, um, of therapy or counseling, uh, internal family systems. And so I, I'll just say this, I've experienced it and been very helped by it myself. And did, how did you find that it integrated as you were introduced to this very helpful, just very practical, you know, usable, doable model of therapy? How did you find it integrating with faith? How did, how did that journey go for you? Right. Well, the, the, the model, it's also a method. I think of it both as a model, okay. it's a way of looking at the soul. And it's also a method because it's steps that you work through in order mm. to address um, an unresolved issue in your soul. Um, it involves seeing your soul as having parts and then connecting to those parts from your self. And in, in the IFS community, um, self is capitalized and mm. self is the source of the healing for the part. And um, there's no question that the soul can heal in that way, um, just like the body can heal on its own. And uh, as Christians, we look to God to be the source of, of healing. Mm -hmm. And so I found that I was just always leaning toward inviting Jesus to be present, mm -hmm. to be the healer of the, the part that I was working with. And so it was just very natural for me. And I felt like if that element were integrated into the method, then Christians would be more open to, to IFS. So yeah. in our book, we lowercase the word self mm -hmm. um, and we capitalize spirit and talk about the spirit let self in for the believer, for the person who has not received the Holy Spirit, um, they would just be ministering to the part or caring for the part of their soul that's hurting from their, their self, which everyone has within them. It's in all religious traditions. You might think of it as the Imago Dei, Mm. image God within. That's good. But, and I'll just say this for my own experience, there was something uh, deeply transformative when it, we would get to, and we'll, we'll talk about this uh, or, and maybe even walk through this a little bit in this process you describe when we talk about unburdening um, and, and being able to give those burdens to Jesus or yeah. something Jesus made that was for me, um, you know, so transformative versus if I was, if it was all remained contained in me personally, I guess that's my, my right. perspective on it. Right. Yes, so. that makes a lot, that's a good point. I mean, within IFS, you unburden parts by releasing the burdens or inviting the parts to release their burdens into any of the elements, the air, fire, mm -hmm. water, or earth. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I always found myself wanting to give my burdens over to Jesus, also yes. to angels. That works for me too, that image of giving over burdens to angels. Ah. Um, sometimes we talk about you know sending burdens into the wounds of Christ or at the sending them to the foot of the cross. Mm. But regardless, Jesus invites us in First Peter 5, 7 to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Yeah. So, um, you know, he, he urges us to do that and wants us to do that. So it's, it's a very natural fit, you know, with Christianity. You know, when we talk about the soul and wellspring, we're, you know, just the deepest part of you that's made for connection with God, um, God and others, but it's that, you know, the, just that deep internal uh, essence of who you are. Is that, would that resonate, you know, in terms of how you, you would describe it in the, um, in Boundaries for Your Soul? We use Dallas Willard's term, which is basically everything about you that's invisible. Mm. Your, okay. your mind, will, and emotions. Yeah. I know in the ancient traditions, soul actually included the body, you know? Um, right. Which is very interesting that we've become so dualistic in our thinking. But I think for this, you know, for the sake of, um, you know, just practical usage of the word, using it to talk about every, every part of you that's invisible is, is that's useful. good. But it and is good to remember that we do hold our, our feelings somatically. Yes, and that we are yes, we're embodied souls, if you yeah. will. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can't we can't I mean, well, separating those things out proves not to be real helpful. It's a really <laughs> so, interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. We could go golly, that's really good. Okay, so uh but in in uh, boundaries for your soul, there's you describe though the uh, let's talk talk about parts because yeah. that's a key idea of it. And when you say there's parts of you, can you can you can you flesh that out a little bit? Yes. Well, the founder of this method, whose name is Dr. Richard Schwartz, he just noticed that his clients would talk about parts of them feeling one way and other parts feeling another way. He uses the example of his early clients, which were eating disorder clients, and mm. they would say, um, "Oh well, a part of me wants to, you know, binge and purge, but a part of me hates that I do that." And so it was really just simply from this language that he heard his clients using that he started realizing, boy, these people have different parts to their personality. And, and he, at first he thought, oh no, my clients all have DID, you know, dissociative identity disorder. And then he realized, oh wait, I have these parts too. <laughs> and, so then, and then he started talking to people and he realized everybody has parts. So it just became this um, framework for understanding the human person within this, you know, school of psychology that's now really integrated out into society. You know, you see all over the place now the idea of the inner critic mm -hmm. and your, you know, your persona that wants to present present yourself well. Like Chris Rock said, you know, when people meet me, they they really meet my personal representative. You know. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's it's I think integrating more and more into the culture this idea that everyone is is uh, everyone has within them a number of different personalities. Mm. That's good. And it doesn't mean that, like I said, that I'm dissociative or just schizophrenic. It means that there's just different aspects of, of, of yeah. who I am internally. Right. Like I was just listening, actually, I listen to doctor radio all the time. And there was this program about how children don't get to go to school as much anymore and how important school is because children develop a different personality at school than they have at home. So mm. There you go. There's like already the right there, two different personalities. I know I did. I was very quiet at school when I was young and very vivacious at home. So oh. yeah, we all have different um, aspects to our personality, but actually within IFS, like this, the, the kind of pure way of looking at the person is actually that there are different personalities within, um, which is, I think it's a lot for a lot of people to swallow and it, it's something to really think through whether you agree with that or not. But one way to ask yourself that question and come to a conclusion is, to see to, to to notice if you do have different personalities in different contexts and if you do feel conflicted within you know and it's biblical like um paul says you know in romans and you know, i part of me does what i don't want to do mm -hmm. yeah, and i do yeah. what i don't want to do um and so what is that what does that mean that a part of him does what he doesn't want to do well clearly right there he's got conflicting parts within himself that want to do different things Mm -hmm. and, and David says in Psalm 131, you know, I have calmed myself like a child within me. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. 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 And, and, and even this idea of, um, and we see, I, I think, in the Psalms and other places in Scripture, this idea of even counseling uh, ourselves speaking to parts of ourselves. Right. I, I you know, or, uh, yeah, the, this idea of I'm, I said to my soul, you yes. know, like some part of me spoke to a, a, another part of me. I mean, it's, yes. it's very much in, yeah. in Oh, in my the, soul, put your hope mm, in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and this is different than, I mean, because let's see the, the Pixar movie Inside Out, and I know you reference it in the book a little bit, but it, uh, it had this idea of these different parts, but those were more emotions, right, that, had, that were personified. Um, or would you say, how would you, you know, I, I mean, we're not going to build our theology on Pixar, but it, it does, it does <laughs> well, illustrate some things. Well, you know, Pete Docter, who really created the, the concepts for the movie, he, uh, he is a Christian, there's a great interview that he did with um, Mark Laberton, the president okay. of Fuller. But I love that movie because really in the movie, the, the different characters, they have names of emotions, which are their primary you know, role that they're playing in Riley's family system. But they really do have their own personalities. Mm. They relate to each other like characters. And that really, yeah. how, that is how IFS sees parts within the the human soul so like the ang angry character in in the movie has has you know conversations like it speaks and does things it tries to take over the the controls of the the motherboard you know right right but it's like a little personality within riley's soul a good way to think of parts is like children mm. that they're usually younger than you are now and they have usually a young a young mindset when you really get to know them and they they have agendas that may not be the most helpful so you don't want to get rid of parts you just want to redirect parts like you would redirect children gotcha and, and first befriend them and then help them find more useful strategies yeah yeah now there's other to just help with the terminology here too there's other uh names that uh in this in this system they that man use the term manager or there's firefighters or exiles. Can you unpack those terms a little bit? Sure. So as, and I feel like I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Like I think you, I could, we could switch roles and I could interview you and you'd, you know, this as well as I do. So thank you for your, your humility and letting me. Oh, I'm no expert. I'm, I'm, I'm a yeah. grateful patient. That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just passing along things I've learned, but so uh, as Schwartz got to know people, he said, okay, so there's these parts and I see these sort of patterns of the parts and there are protector parts and there are vulnerable parts. And then he further div further divided up the protector parts into two categories, which are our manager parts, which try to kind of get things done and try to please people and tend to be very high functioning. And then we have firefighter parts, uh, which are trying to help us put out so the flames of painful emotions. And one way to think of them is that um, managers try to prevent pain and, man and firefighters respond to pain after it's occurred. Mm -hmm. And then we also have exiles, which are younger, even younger parts carrying the pain from the past and they're sort of stuck in the past. And these are parts that we try not to let people know about. Um, they get hurt, they carry feelings like hurt, fear, anxiety. Um, so oftentimes what I do when I'm journaling myself or if I'm in a, in a, in any kind of a workshop or a spiritual direction session or something, I'll map out my parts on a piece of paper. And this is an exercise I really encourage everybody to do. You could even do it you know, right now when you're listening to say, okay, what are my manager parts saying right now and feeling right now? What are my firefighter, firefighter parts wanting to do right now? What are they saying and feeling? And then what are my exiles? feeling and saying right now and just to be aware because we all have all of these parts at all times going on within us and then we right. also have within us a spirit-led self um when one thing um a way to think of the self is like the sun that can be hidden by the clouds the mm. parts are like the clouds and so a goal is to ask the parts to you might say step back or give you space or even just watch as the self takes the lead
and I know that if you're just hearing this and you and, and this isn't new new information to you, it might be like a lot to to sort of take in and process. And so, um, in a, in a moment, we'll we'll try and um, maybe walk through a, a bit of this process to to be um, help, hopefully help it make sense. But before we jump into that, let me uh, let's kind of take a step back and ask. So Peace Cazero uh, wrote Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and one statement he made, and I just think this is, we're seeing this more and more, but he, he made a statement, it is impossible to be spiritually mature and remain emotionally immature. Or in other words, you know, we, we, we I grew up in churches, I'll say this, that, uh, or in environments in which spiritual maturity was, I knew a lot of the Bible, I, you know, I morally was upright, uh, faithful church attendance, that kind of thing. That was spiritual maturity. I could still, theoretically, I could be an angry person. I could be a, you know, a prideful person. I could uh, maybe have a crummy relationship with my family, but somehow that was not necessarily in certain circles seen as, is connected intrinsically with spiritual maturity. I think that's shifting in some circles at least, but, um, but can you talk a little bit about, because some, some of us where it was like, well, that's, you know, emotional stuff, that part, you know, is that's separate from your spiritual life. It's, I think always a shock, but maybe shouldn't be that, that pastors so often will have very difficult you know, problems in their home and and any kind of church leaders like it's just very common growing up in the church to hear about someone who is very well known and pub- a public figure in the in the church to have a secret life that's that's not something that they want to present to the world and and why does that happen and i think it's because of this this phenomenon you're talking about of spirituality being separate from emotional maturity. And so it really is so important to integrate those things. And I I also want, I just want to say, I don't want to place any blame because we're not the judge, you know, only God is the judge. Maybe, maybe, maybe like myself, like people weren't necessarily raised to really understand their emotions and know how to work with them. So this is why we need these tools to to help all of us to learn how to have integrity you know i mean it scares me when i have an argument with my husband for example and i'm a marriage therapist and i say wait a second you know that's that i feel like that's um that's embarrassing like that doesn't i don't have integrity there but then i can thankfully apply tools that i've learned and say okay ken let's sit down let's map out our parts here on a piece of paper let's talk about what managers are in the way right now and how can we work with them and all of a sudden we're collaborating together and it just these tools really give you a way to move toward wholeheartedness you know god uh, yeah. jesus said love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength mm-hmm. and um and he you know he wanted us to come to him with all that we are and and how do we increase the realm of the kingdom within our own hearts mm-hmm. and how it- and you use the term even, I really like, you know, to function with integrity and, you know, integrity is that idea of even integration. And yeah. if, going back to what you said earlier, if the soul is the, all the invisible parts of you or aspects of who you are, you know, we really can't just separate out, you know, well, right. this is the spiritual part and the emotional parts. Like it's all into it, to be wholehearted is to be integrated. Um, right. And right. so, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and Jesus was, I mean, it was, it, something that really I, I think about a lot is that Jesus was most harsh with and critical of the, there's, the, there's a lot of woes in, in the gospels, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of those woes are toward the people that present as religious and knowledgeable about the things of God, but actually are carrying, you know, problems within that they're not addressing. They're like whitewashed tombs. He said, those are the words of Jesus. And I want to say, you know, I'm, we, we need to be living for eternal rewards, not earthly rewards. You know, we want to be pleasing God and have an audience of one and not trying to please people. So I'm, I really want to look at my, you know, look behind the, what is it underneath the, the hood of the car and say, okay, what's really going on inside my heart? Yeah. And am, I, am I a whitewashed tomb that's presenting, mm. trying to present myself as all put together? Um, and then I lash out at my my family on the side, you know, and hope nobody notices or hears. Like, is that who I really want to be? Right. Um, and and sometimes we we have a trouble controlling our emotions, and 
Yeah. A lot of pressure on people and people, other, you know, sometimes people say things that we wish they wouldn't say, or we can have power struggles and let's just be real and try to help one another out and share with us that we've learned about how to, how to really um, live peacefully and live with integrity before, before God. And this is just a, the way it's the way that I found that's, I want I don't want to say it's the most helpful, but it's a very helpful set of tools in the, in the toolbox. Mm. Yeah. And, and especially when you describe that, even the way you did this idea that we've all experienced moments where you're like, where did that come from? Right. Yes. Where did that <laughs> anger, where did that sadness, where did that, where did that come? It seems to, we can be often confused about our own inner dynamics, right? Where did that come from all right. of a sudden? Right. And, and to have a, a, a path or a process to, right. to walk through that. So, um, yeah. So let, let's give it a shot then. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, try, let's do it. Okay. Right. Okay. So this is what it would look like. So um, Richard, um, tell, can you, can you take a moment and just turn our, your attention from our conversation to what you're experiencing right now? And let's just, let's just um, be real, t- be in real time here and say, what, what's going on for you right now? Can you think of, um, anything or can you turn your attention to any place physically even where you're holding any tightness or tension or are aware of any kind of emotion or or thought that's uncomfortable or or tight or tense or difficult for you in any way i can't i'll, I'll go ahead and be very transparent here and sure. uh and so yes for me i feel tightness we usually when i feel tension i it starts for me in my stomach so i feel tension and i'm aware of uh as i do this podcast right now as we're doing this interview i'm aware of people are going to listen to this mm-hmm. i and i the thoughts are come up for me are like you know need to do a good job need to mm-hmm. sound um Sound like you know what you're talking about. Ask good questions. Um, yeah. Be helpful. All those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, thanks. And I imagine that a lot of the like, pastors and church leaders listening will have those same similar feelings when they're about mm. to, speak, right? So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. Mm. And um, okay, so I'm wondering as you kind of hover over this area in your stomach and just turning your attention fully to that that place where you feel that that. Um, tightness can you get any kind of image of this feeling does any any image come to you or it could be also a a message or statement that this part of you is saying what comes up is this idea of clenched but like um um clenched in in the sense of i need to in the messages you you better uh focus really hard and do a really good job, you know, be your, do your best, Mm -hmm. you know, be at your best right now. Okay. So you better be at your best right now Mm -hmm. or the image of like clenched, clenched fist. Mm -hmm. Okay. So good. So just focusing on this image and just imagining that this image really is a one specific part of you. It's not all of who you are. Just giving it your attention and seeing if this part of you is even aware that you're there. You can imagine that it's, it has awareness. It's, well, if it's able to tell you, you, know, you need to do a good job, then it has a, the ability to think. And is it aware that you're present with it? Yeah, it's, I think it's trying to manage how I'm seen you know, or wants to be, it, it wants to, you know, present a good uh, version of myself, of me to, to whoever's listening to you, to sure. the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And does it, does it want to share any more about how it developed this belief? You might also um, notice like what age, around what age um, it is. Maybe what age you developed this, or it developed this thought? Uh, probably goes back to my childhood, in that um, it seemed like that I wasn't, uh, I wasn't particularly athletically. I was, you know, uh, short, not super athletic or popular uh, socially. The only, the way that I could 
distinguish myself was to achieve academically or in school. And the only way that, that was kind of the strategy, became the internal strategy to stand out was to perform mm-hmm. in the only area that I felt like I could, you know, mm-hmm. uh, be noticed was uh, to do well there. I, and I have this moment of uh, this comes to my mind and, and this idea I had to stand out. I still remember this. I was probably uh, going into my freshman year of college and I had heard the pastor at church gave some sort of message on going back to school and he gave us a little card to everybody that said, and it was kind of cheesy, of course, but it was like, I may not always be the best, but I can be my best. And I literally took the card and, and crossed out what he wrote and said, if I do my best, I can be the best. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's so a, that, was, yeah. that was the message I gave myself. Yeah. So isn't it interesting? This part is carrying that memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just brought up that memory for you. Yeah. Yeah. And carrying all these years. So, and how are you feeling toward this part as it's sharing this memory and these feelings? Uh, I feel a mixture on the one hand, I feel, you know, in a sense sad for that part because it, it carries such a, um, a relentless, burden of of having to always you know be on or or perform and there's mm-hmm. a part of me that also feels kind of um maybe angry with it of like the pressure it puts on mm-hmm. you know the to um yeah to, it, it, mm-hmm. there's no there's no off switch okay so so that feeling of anger that you have i think it's just to consider that that might belong to another part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's maybe like an inner critic, mm-hmm. the inner critic of this other part. The, what, what do you want to call the original part? Uh, um, a performer achiever. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got the performer and then can you imagine this inner critic or mm-hmm. yeah. When, what does it look like? Uh, probably the, um, kind of a, uh, just a negative face and it's, you know, yeah. kind of the pointing finger. Pointing finger. Yeah. yeah. So, and you feel it, kind of mm-hmm. feel that energy. So, yeah. So if you could just ask that part to just watch what we're doing, see if it'd be, just thank it, thank it for showing up because it's trying to keep you from, you know, performing and, um, and to see if it'll be, if we, it would be willing to just watch what we do with the performer part. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You could stand behind the glass wall, for example. Mm, okay. That's helpful. Okay. That's good. So turning back to the performer part, uh, how are you feeling toward it now? Uh, compassion. Good. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So curiosity, as much mm. as you can extend curiosity and even compassion toward it, that's, that's helpful. So let's just ask now, is this part... Um, alone yeah yeah and does it have any uh, awareness of who god is or who jesus is uh god can easily become one more person or entity that it has to perform for because god's mm-hmm. watching and god's evaluating too uh-huh sure well thank thank that part for sharing yeah. that it's mm-hmm. very helpful to know that and does it know who Jesus is? Conceptually. Conceptually, okay. Yeah. And is is the part interested or willing to get to know him better? Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is. Okay, well, let's just let that happen. Let's just see if if Jesus would come closer. We're just inviting him now to draw near. Mm. And see if you're able to imagine Jesus there with this this very hardworking, loyal performer part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I can just picture Jesus, you know, just uh, have, making contact or just, you know, face to face with this part and just mm-hmm. saying with compassion mm-hmm. and, um, and it sees this part and sees how tired and weary it is. And, and wants to tell it, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And what's that like for the performer part to just hear mm -hmm. from Jesus? You don't have to do that all the time. Um, hopeful. I mean, grateful to hear it, tentative, mm -hmm. that that could be possibly true. Okay. Hopeful, sort of tentative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can it share with Jesus its concern that that might not be true? Well, it's if it doesn't perform, uh, it might, you know, what will happen? Or mm. there's, will be disappointed. Um, yeah. Uh, it'll, yeah. I'll, um, my significance would be mm -hmm. at stake. Okay. So there's a fear there that mm -hmm. it's, it might not be significant if it doesn't perform. Yeah. And, and just, let's just see what Jesus has to say in response. Jesus is saying that my significance is not earned, it's given. Mm -hmm. And that he's the one that can and does give significance. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. And is that part taking in what Jesus is saying? It's trying to get its head around that. That's a big deal. That's big. That's yeah. Big. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jesus is saying significance is not earned. He gives it. Mm -hmm. He's the one that gives it. Wow. He's kind of speaking with authority. He is speaking with authority there, isn't he? Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, boy, um, holy ground. So, yeah. So, is the part um, believe it does part accept what Jesus is saying? Yeah. Wants to. Wants to. to it, it would it would like to receive that yeah is it willing to try mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. just let it try and just see how that feels you know mm. how does that feel to the part to to believe for a moment that it cannot earn significance and that jesus gives it Yeah, I, I just have this image uh, or, yeah, this idea that, that Jesus is, is saying, you know, your significance is because you're with me, you belong to me. I, I think yeah. somehow, you know, I, somehow it came to mind is this idea that we often want to associate ourselves with like a team or a, a, a person or whatever it is that's successful or, or a big deal. And, and I feel like and that we can somehow claim significance by that association, and I and I and I have the sense that Jesus is saying that your significance is being connected to me mm. Mm -hmm. because of who I am, and because yeah. you're with, and because you're with me, and right. you belong to me. Oh wow! Yeah, got, I got chills there. That's <laughs> that's really amazing. Mm. Uh, mm. Oh, so the so is the part taking in that he belongs to Jesus and, mm -hmm. him and, um, and that's why he's significant. Yeah. Why and how part has significance. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. taking it in. Yeah. Okay. Great. Mm -hmm. And is there any, is there any burden, any emotional burden or, or thought belief that the part is still carrying that is at all uncomfortable or heavy, even that, like that memory, of that that sign does it want to keep carrying that belief or no it doesn't and i think that that in that i um that's still that that idea or that um almost faceless other of people that somehow um want uh or that that this part feels like it has to uh, perform for mm -hmm. um, or towards yeah it, it is it it um it's aware of that but mm -hmm. it doesn't want that to be yeah 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 so that makes sense so it, it doesn't want to have to keep performing for the faceless other and mm. that belief uh is a burden that the part's carrying is it willing to to give it up right now just give it over yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay so letting that part just release that burden. It could hand it over to Jesus. 
whatever feels best. Mm-hmm. Um, does it feel like that's that's happening or has happened? Yeah, I had I literally have that image of the of a just kind of a a burden a a weight that is just mm-hmm. handing to Jesus and mm-hmm. and uh, and Jesus with a look of um, uh, uh, no a smile uh, yeah. Yeah. that he's thankful that I'm willing to do that. Mm. Yeah, and the last question: Just is there any um, any gift that the part wants to receive? It sounds like he's already receiving the smile from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Any last like blessing uh, or word of encouragement that Jesus has to give? To the I think the yeah, this the phrase "You are mine." Mm. Um, I'm pleased with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that the part doesn't have to carry that burden anymore, what would it like to do? What is its new role? Yeah. I think it would like to be, you know, like to do things, but just without feeling like it, it has to be, um, you know, do it for other people to, to make others happy or, or not unhappy. <laughs> yeah, so it still wants to do stuff um, but just with the with the awareness that it belongs to Jesus and that's where its significance is from. And and then just checking in with the uh, that very loyal inner critic that was behind the glass wall. And did it see what happened here? Yeah, yeah, I think it did. And is it still feeling critical? No, no, it seems to be uh, actually have shifted a more compassionate posture. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, just thanking these parts for being present for you, for their hard work, and thanking Jesus too for, for his, uh, his presence and gracious. Richard, just shifting back now from um, that internal work to our conversation, it might help to you know, wiggle, wiggle your fingers and toes. <laughs> and... Um, and then just reflecting on any uh, anything that stood out to you from that experience now. Yeah. <sighs> what I'm struck by, and one, thank you wow, so much for, for doing that with me. And um, I'm struck by it because this is a, as I mentioned earlier, this is a, a kind of work I've done previously in counseling, but it's interesting to me how those parts in one version or another, which I've... Um, addressed if you will or or worked with before they can still they it's not like it's all just gone and done right you know like i'm all i'm all fixed you know (laughs) here and and evermore shall be that way but that they you know they they they're to remain in dialogue yes so yeah yeah yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I, I, not just for me, but also as people hear that, it's like, wow, that it is. And I would just say that is a very healing. I would describe that in some ways personally as it's almost as a bit of a form of healing prayer. It is healing. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, but it's uh, sometimes I think I, I went into it a little bit with the idea that I don't know, went into it, but I, I, for a while I had the idea that, okay, once I do this, you know, now I'm all fixed up. Right. And, and I would say this tension of, yes, there's been, there has been healing and transformation, but mm-hmm. it's also an ongoing journey. Can you, can you speak yeah. to that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it is a, is an ongoing journey and it's, you learn over time to, about these parts of yourself and get to know them. And, and eventually they really do integrate and they, they soften and, and cooperate. So it does take time. You know, I've heard in spiritual direction, they measure progress in decades. <laughs> so. mm. We're just setting that expectation, you know, that it might take a long time, but I think you, you get out of it what you put into it. So the more you do the work, the more transformation you see. So I do, I do, I mean, it's helpful if you can do a daily check-in with parts and just learn as much as you can about them and talk about them with your friends. And this can become, this, this is a method of therapy. It's also just a way of life. It's a way of talking about your emotions, you know, when you're in conversation with your friends and family. Just say, boy, I ha-. and you, you don't have to say, you know, there's a method called IFS. You could just say, there's, um, 
Yeah. I have a part of me that I'm aware of really wants to perform um, mm. and wants to make people happy. Do you have that part too? And, and um, it can just be a way of talking. You know, yeah. I, I go one on the Enneagram. The Enneagram numbers can be correlated with different parts of you. So I have, so when I say I'm a one on the Enneagram, it means I have a very um, entrenched, <laughs> you know, focused one part of me that I'm often blended with that wants okay. to improve things. So that's been one of my big um, kind of growth opportunities on my spiritual journey is, mm. is um, unblending from my, or getting space from my you know, one part that wants to improve things. And just learning to, as a spiritual discipline, just just accept things the way they are. Even just taking a few breaths without trying to improve something is mm. growth for me. <laughs> that's so, good. So, so that's yeah. really helpful, though, because I know the Enneagram has surged in obviously in popularity and yeah. and people that's become a in certain circles a, a language. So I love the idea of being able to integrate that uh, that this is, there's a one part of me or so right. for me and I'm, I'm a four. Okay. Uh, and so what would be a four part of me then this, I, yeah. uh, um, is that sure. a, yeah. yeah. So the part of you that might carry angst and, mm. and the, the quest for meaning and, and the artistic part of you, you know, that mm. wants to be individual. Yeah. Let's be different from everyone else and not, not just follow the trends. Like that, that's a part of you. I carry those characters. And, and that's really helpful too, I think. And thank you for bringing that out. Is that I, because for me, when I have those, uh, as a, uh, those feelings come up very strongly, that, that sense of needing to, or getting into angst. I, I recently experienced a whole, you know, a period of just deep angst around a lot of things, which I, is easy for me to go into, sadly. But um, but when I go into that space, it be, it feels consuming. Like that is who I am. I am just an angsty, right. you know, <laughs> right. roller coaster of emotion that is, yeah. you know, buffeted yeah. by. And um, yeah, yeah, so instead of saying that's a part of me, or I can be aware of that part, not to differentiate a bit. Yeah, and oftentimes I think that angsty quest for meaning can be, or for peace or whatever you're questing for, can be a strategy of a manager part that's trying to respond to a chaotic environment from your upbringing, mm. like that. So you want, you know, you can really look at like, why does this part feel like it needs? Or could, first of all, consider it as a part of you. It's like, oh boy, I'm blended with that angsty part again, you know. And even just that can be very helpful. And then to say, okay, so um, welcome it, befriend it. Thank you for working so hard for me. You know, you're carrying all the angst for my whole system. Thank you. And let, let, let's see if we can help you out a little bit and see why do you feel like you need to, to be angsty. And they had a good reason. You know, parts come by their strategies, honestly. Mm. So there was something in your environment growing up at some point that, that caused this part to feel like it needed to protect you. And this was the way that it felt like it was helpful to do that. That's so helpful. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so people want to learn more about this. There's, so there's the book uh, that you co-wrote it's boundaries for your soul mm -hmm. and people can get that um, wherever books are sold. Yes. Um, and um, what else might people want if they're just they want to learn more about this and understand this? Is there a more you would recommend? Um, yeah, I did just hear about a podcast called the one inside, which is about all things IFS. Mm. Um, and if you're into podcasts and um, let's see the website for IFS is called selfleadership.org. It's not a Christian method. So there's a, there's a Buddhist orientation to this community, I think. Um, but uh, so you have to integrate it with your faith yeah. as you are, as you would like. And, but it can be done as we've been talking about. Nice, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, uh, Dick Schwartz has a number of books. He has a book in the Internal Family Systems Model, I think, um, which is on that website, selfleadership.org. Um, there's another Christian book that just came out called All Together You mm. by Jenna Reams, Reamsma. I just talked with her for the first time. She's lovely. And, and that's a great book. It goes more into the theology because I think okay. well, one of the questions that comes up for Christians with this method is, well, are you saying that we don't have original sin? Mm. You know, and we, we, we say quickly in our book, you know, pretty briefly, we did touch on it and say, well, nothing's different than traditional Christian Christianity. Right. We're not, we're not suggesting anything new. It's just that we see the parts as 
part of you that God's made. You know, he said all things give me to look good and that it's the strategies of this, these parts that, that is the sin part. Right. Right. Um, and, um, and she goes more deeply into that sort of theological discussion. That's helpful. And it, and it does, and it, even in the book, it does, uh, really does touch on that because we can so easily just go to, into shame and just say this, this is this bad part of me, instead of saying there's this part that is maybe trying to meet a legitimate need, but perhaps the way it's trying to do that could lead into uh, unhelpful or even sinful uh, choices, but it's right. it's being able to separate that out a bit. Right, it does yeah. help alleviate shame a lot, you're right. And yeah. My website, Kimberly June Miller, has a resources page, and I have, okay. I have lots of podcasts and, and videos on my website. I have have a YouTube channel actually, right? I recorded because oh, uh. I, I recorded a video of just leading a group through these steps, and so you can just press play on the video, and I'll lead you through the process that I just took you through. There's, a, I also lead you through the steps at the end of our audiobook. You can just oh, watch great. the end of the audiobook, and there's, um, you know, the questions that I just talked you through because that was all that was all very methodical what I just did. Yes. And I asked, you know, can you identify the part physically? Um, can you see it? Does it know that you're there? How do you feel toward it? Not about it, but toward it. Mm-hmm. And then unblend from any critical part and extend curiosity, compassion toward it. Unburden, invite God's qualities that he wants to give and then um, integrate it, which means to find a new role. So, so good. And so yeah. we're going to, we're going to link to your site on our uh, show notes here. And so and invite people to, to check that out as well. And um, yeah, thank you so much. And can I, as a parting kind of thing, I, I know in this season, we, which has been a long season, it seems like it will go on for a while. Many people are experiencing just fatigue, weariness, uh, discouragement, and particularly those who are caring for others, pastors, leaders, and others that are not only trying to navigate themselves, but care for others. What, what word or encouragement would you offer to those who are, are trying to not only navigate it for themselves, but, but also lead and care for others? Hmm. Well, just again, quoting the late, great Dallas Willard, hmm. you know, he said that, all spiritual formation ends and begins with the love of Jesus. Mm. Um, he, he's there. He loves you. He loves every part of you. Mm. And um, go to him and you'll find rest. So good. Wow. Yeah. Well, Kim, thank you so very much for, for spending this time. Uh, thank you personally for walking me through <laughs> that. And uh, I pray that's helpful for, for others as they uh, explore what's going on inside of them and bring that to Jesus. Uh, So thank you. Thank you so much, Richard. It was a pleasure to get to talk with you today. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's conversation. We hope it's been helpful to you. And we'd love to serve you in any way we can at Wellspring. For more information about who we are and what we do, please go to wellspringca.org or look us up on Facebook. Just search under Wellspring. Until next time, grace and peace.